0: Coming to you from a cozy little condo, high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome Welcome to the Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts.
1: Welcome to the show. Today's going to be a bit of an unusual one in that I have a guest who is a Republican who is going to be with me for the last three segments of the show. The defection of Representative Misha Maynard from the Democratic Party to the Republican Party, not really a surprise, I suppose, given the friction between she and local Democrats, state Democrats, and her constituents, can't forget her constituents, who have been at odds over her position on school vouchers. Remember, last legislative session, she was the lone Democrat to vote for the school voucher bill that made its way up for the vote. However, a lot of Republicans didn't vote for it either, so is rigid partisanship the problem or was the bill flawed? We'll discuss that. Before we dive into that, though, we have to talk about some headline-making deaths inside local jails. This reporting uh, from Carolyn Silva at the Atlanta Journal of Constitution. A teenage inmate was found dead inside her cell Tuesday evening at the Atlanta City Detention Center. Noni Batiste Kosoko, I think that's how you say her name, age 19, had been in jail since May 20th. Pay attention now, May 20th, on a misdemeanor bench warrant. According to records, she was charged with failure to appear in connection with a criminal trespass and damage to property case in Fulton County and a separate case out of Miami Dade County, Florida. Batiste Kosoko received a bond of $2,000, but was not able to leave the jail due to her charges in Florida. Again, in jail since May 20th, nearly two months. It doesn't take two months to drive from Miami-Dade to here, if Miami-Dade so chose to send someone up to pick her up. Or it is 2023, did we not learn during the pandemic we can Zoom these things? It's sort of baffling that we're now talking about the death of a 19-year-old inmate in Atlanta City Jail being held for misdemeanor charges. Anyway, the story at the AJC continues. During dinner rounds at about 6.35 p.m., Batiste Kosoko was found unresponsive in her cell at the Atlanta City Detention Center along Peachtree Street, quote, with no obvious signs of injury, according to Fulton County Sheriff's Office spokeswoman Natalie Ammons. Medical personnel and Atlanta fire crews responded and pronounced the woman dead. APD is going to investigate the death. Fulton County Medical Examiner's Office will perform an autopsy to determine the cause. As we're having this discussion about the need for a public safety training facility, and by the way, both Fulton County and Atlanta want to build separate public safety training facilities at more than $120 million total for the both of them. While we, by the way, have a state facility that is vast and useful as well, and not far from here. It's interesting to point out that we are now dealing with what seems to be a glaring need for jail and prison training. I don't think you need a huge campus for that either, but I'm no expert. Another headline from the AJC, the Department of Justice now is going to probe the Fulton County Jail after the death of a mentally ill inmate. Jeremy Redman reporting here that the DOJ has launched a civil rights investigation of conditions in the Fulton County Jail, citing the September 13th death of a homeless and mentally ill man in the lockup's psychiatric wing. The article continues on Thursday. DOJ announced that it found credible allegations that the jail is, quote, structurally unsafe, that prevalent violence has resulted in serious injuries and homicides, and that officers are being prosecuted for using excessive force. The article goes on to say the investigation, according to the DOJ, will also focus on medical and mental health care and use of excessive force in the jail, as well as whether the Fulton County Sheriff's Office discriminates against people with psychiatric disabilities. The Department of Justice added its probe will be conducted under the Civil Rights of Institutionalized Persons and Americans with Disabilities you may or may not recall, if you haven't followed this story uh, in depth, that the Atlanta City Jail, the 11-story building, has been leasing since last August beds to the Fulton County Sheriff's Department. It's sort of a short-term, I think, four-year max fix for aiding Fulton County's overwhelming jail population. Former Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms had actually tried to close the detention center and kept stiff-arming Sheriff Labatt's request to lease a facility, of course she's no longer mayor. Mayor Andre Dickens is. Lease was approved last August, and 11 months later, we now have a casualty in the Atlanta City Detention Center under the watch of the Fulton County Sheriff's Department. I imagine over the coming days we'll find out more about Nani Batisse Kosako's physical condition, what transpired that had her held for again nearly 2 months on misdemeanor charges including a hold on behalf of Miami-Dade County, again, lasting nearly two months. This could be the case that begins substantive discussion about bail reform or why someone would even be jailed for trespassing on property or defacing property. What are we holding people in jail for that for? For two months. What is the point in that? Anyhow, it would be irresponsible to speculate much more than just to report these situations as they are unfolding. Again, the DOJ now investigating the Fulton County Jail and well, the same law enforcement agency overseeing the Atlanta City Detention Center as a 19-year-old female held for nearly two months for misdemeanor charges brings further questions. Meanwhile, over in Athens, Georgia, again, the sort of headlines... A football program at the University of Georgia doesn't want to have attributed to itself, although it's having a fantastic recruiting cycle. Okay. A survivor of a fatal car crash that stunned the University of Georgia football program has filed a lawsuit that blames the accident in part on negligence by the university's athletic association, Alan Judd reporting at the Atlanta Journal of Constitution. The lawsuit filed late Wednesday by Victoria Bowles, Tori Bowles, a former recruiting analyst for the football team, also says athletic association officials made false public statements about events that preceded that crash January 16th. I'm sorry, January 15th after the victory parade and celebration for the national championship. Tory Bowles was a passenger in the vehicle that Chandler LaCroix was driving LaCroix, of course, a recruiting analyst. She died in that crash along uh, with, uh, Oh, by the way, and by the way, the lawsuit also uh, implicates former university of Georgia football player, Jalen Carter, who was apparently racing Chandler LaCroix after a night out on the town. Anyway, police say Carter and LaCroix raced at speeds exceeding 100 miles per hour moments before the crash, which also killed football player Devin Willick. Tory Bowles and Willick were both backseat passengers and a front seat passenger. Warren McClendon, also a football player with the university, received minor injuries. Uh, I'll share that article at uh, the show notes today on the podcast and at ronshoetl.com. A couple days ago, the University of Georgia's football program, in particular football coach Kirby Smart, had to respond to allegations that the athletic department sort of condoned sexual misconduct by his players and had a fixer come in to sort of uh, de-intensify scenarios anytime there were police presence. He denies that. He says, we take these allegations extremely serious. Me, personally. I take these allegations extremely serious. We do not tolerate sexual misconduct in our organization. Never have, never will. But there's a lot of implication in a prior AJC article that the university has a fixer who shows up to sort of aid a football uh, player when implicated in something like that. In the same piece, Georgia's athletic director, Josh Brooks, said that the coach wanted to, quote, set the record straight in response to a story that the AJC published June 27th. The article reported that since Smart became coach in 2016, get this, 11 players had remained with the team after women reported violent encounters to the police or the university. The article continues, neither Kirby Smart nor Brooks cited specific inaccuracies in the story. However, Brooks said the story wrongly suggested Georgia had failed to appropriately respond when players were accused of sexual or domestic violence. He said, it crossed a serious line and we will not stand for this conjecture. The reporting also conveniently minimizes the significant actions we've taken in direct response to address these matters. The article focused on two cases, a rape case from 2021 involving a star defensive player and another sexual assault allegation from 2022 involving a recruit. I'll give you that article uh, as well as the summation that I'm reading for you now as well in today's show notes at ronshowatl.com. If I didn't do it before, let me do it now. Alan Judd reporting that at the Atlanta Journal Constitution. The fixer in question actually has a title with the university's athletic department. That would be a fellow by the name of Brian Gantt, the team's director of player personnel, who is alleged to be showing up anytime a player winds up in some serious legal trouble. I've said this before on this show, and I will say it again. Huge University of Georgia Bulldog football fan, baseball, basketball gymnastics, you name it. I'm a UGA fan. I have, in fact, in the studio that I'm recording in right now, to my left, a curio cabinet full of Georgia Bulldog memorabilia. Huge fan. I am as disappointed and disgusted by this picture that seems to be coming together of a wanton disregard for the law and for reining in deviant player behavior. And even, to some extent, it would seem, the recruiting analyst also having some free reign unnecessarily. Winning national championships is fantastic. Love it. I love the the trend that the, the football program is on right now. I'd love to see that with the baseball and basketball program as well. Can we get the gymnastics program back at that elite level? I, I love winning, but not at the expense of people. We've lost, literally lost lives. We can't even say we have to cut this out before lives are lost. No, it's it's actually happened. And I don't want that to be the Kirby Smart legacy. I don't want that to be the legacy of the football program and this era at the university. However, here we are. I really have so much more that I want to go over today. Uh, our, our, our good friend Eric Erickson, uh, who airs weekdays uh, locally on AM 750, uh, 95.5 FM, WSB, WSBB FM, uh, lives in Macon, Georgia, but seems to think he knows enough about the inner workings of the city of Atlanta to speak about the Beltline when he doesn't absolutely, doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. He went on this rant today about the streetcar extension that's going along the Beltline as if to be ignorant, well, it apparently is ignorant to the fact that the the streetcar running along the Beltline was a part of the plan all along. And then he went off on this whole rant about uh, corn cobs up butts and speaking in accents and how... No European country has won a Super Bowl or the SEC championship, so why would we want our cities to be like theirs? Uh, uh, Okay, maybe I'll go into this tomorrow. Uh, Obviously, I can't share the audio because that's his. It's tertiary. Uh, But the transcript, I can give you that, right? I can maybe even act it out for you in some dramatic theater tomorrow. tomorrow. In the meanwhile, Leo Smith... GOP political consultant joining us to talk about Misha Maynard, school vouchers, and more for the rest of the show. So buckle in, kids. Here we go. More Ron Show after this on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. Get more at RonShowATL.com. Back in a minute. Welcome back to the Ron Show. So earlier in the week, the, I don't know that it was a bombshell, but it, did sort of catch some people off guard. The news that Representative Misha Maynard from uh, right here, ITP Atlanta, decided she's going to switch parties. Had a press conference and everything. Had the state GOP leadership right there by her side, all lined up, ready to roll. This obviously was not just a last night decision and then showed up to do it. No, she'd been working on this for a little bit. And after all the turmoil in the last legislative session, uh, during um, which the GOP, many in the GOP, I should say, pushed for a school voucher program, and she being the lone Democrat voting for it, there was a lot of folks who watched Georgia Politics wondering when, not if, but when, Misha might leave the Democratic Party. Leaving the party is one thing, joining the GOP is another, and here with me to discuss that is a veteran political strategist, uh, a, a Republican as well, and uh, also uh, a fine gentleman by the name of Leo Smith. Leo, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure, Ron. Thanks for having me, and thanks for the work that you do to make sure that people can have conversations about politics and policy.
1: Well, it's it's something that's going away. We know that with uh, Political Rewind no longer uh, on the air with uh, GPB's uh, FM and uh, broadcast here locally. So uh, I'm happy to oblige. Uh, I obviously see up and down the FM and AM dial and... Most of the dialogue is heavily right-wing and pretty myopic, and I, I like to say lie by omission. Sometimes not telling the full story isn't a lie, but it doesn't tell the truth either. Anyway, Leo reached out to me via Twitter because he wanted to discuss the Misha Maynard uh, move situation, and you being a uh, veteran strategist, tell me what your thoughts are on, uh, first of all, her political future. What do you think there is for her as far as a political future goes?
0: You know, Ron, first of all, let me th- thank you. And as being, uh, I know that you probably have some Political Rewind listeners out there. And, and I appreciate your appreciation of Bill Nygut and Georgia Public Broadcasting and the work that they were doing there. So carrying on with the way you do your work as well. You know, politics is sort of like the, the negotiation for resources. And anybody who is good. At negotiating resources that can be empowering and life changing, game changing even for its citizens and its constituents has a great future in politics. Okay. Um, more than the performance nature of politics, that you know, a lot of these people that you come and even people who convert from being Democrats to Republicans, they're into the performative nature of politics. But the reason why Misha Maynor has a great political future is because she's delivered for her constituents. Mm-hmm. And then the long run. When people get down to really getting serious at the kitchen table, at the coffee shop, wherever they are in the hairdresser, they're going to be going, yeah, but what has she done? More than the performance, more than all the, you know, are they a R are they a D? What have they delivered? And then that constituency from Atlanta Station to Vine City, um, there are people there. Who are going to recognize that she's just delivered for us? But well, when you say
1: delivered, get- can you define what it is that she's delivered for her district and, and in doing so as a Democrat?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, you know, one of the things that I think are unique about her and, and, and I, the thing that I sort of recoiled at having been a strategist for the Republican Party and the RNC was the idea that she was a, becoming a black Republican. No, she's remaining who she is. And and so she's not, she's a thinker. This is a person who looks at policy, sort of looks at it and says, will this help my constituents? Mm -hmm. When she says to herself, I'm going to sponsor HB 32, which is tax credits for teachers. She's saying we need to fund the teachers so that they can do a good job of teaching. We need more teacher support so teachers can help parents educate their children into skills, competencies, careers, life choices. When she like, gets involved and you know creates a tax credit for foster parents, mm-hmm. she's recognizing because of uh, dysfunction and poverty and choices that people want to make about life. That there are foster children out there, so she sponsored HB 114 to give tax credits for foster, and/or she's incentivizing things that create family, economic unit, economic stability. That's good legislative deliveries to her district. So
1: when she you look at the, but when you look at those, about, let me let me let me stop you there. But when you look at yeah. those two items in and of themselves, those are not issues that I think she found any backlash from her party for.
0: No, indeed, she didn't. And so, and that's the point. Even the issues, let's talk about the issues that she is receiving backlash for. All right. She's receiving backlash because she has such a love for black people.
1: That's not why she's receiving backlash. Let's Yes, she is. No, that's me, not. That's me, not that's me, not me, why me, she's me, receiving hey, backlash.
0: Hey Ron, let me finish the statement. That there are two types of love. There's love you to death, and there's love you to wealth and health. Now, I know that we've gotten used to saying, I just love that person to death. But sometimes that kind of unfailing love can also lead to an unfailing death. And the fact is is that when people say that there are protected things that, that are unnegotiable, untouchable, like the fact that in her district, you have kids who can't get a decent score on the SAT, mm-hmm. that you have 3% of the children can read in mm-hmm. her district. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've got an unmitigated love for black people, you want unmitigated success for black people. If something like that is so outrageous and your love won't let you lead differently, do something drastically differently, like the school voucher bill in order to give those people more choice, Mm. if your love won't let you consider giving those parents choice, then that's not a real love.
1: Okay, so I would counter though that the school voucher bill that did not pass last session, which by the way, didn't pass because it didn't have enough Republican support. That's,
0: that is correct. Honestly, but those, Republicans, but those Republicans from the South don't care about black people.
1: Well, uh, neither here nor there, but I would also argue well, that
0: that's very important. when it's you very don't point that you care about black people, well, it's very important that you care about black people. No,
1: I, I don't, I don't disagree with that, but I think that's a party problem. Not a, you know, not, not something that I, that I would argue with. That's again, that's something that needs to be handled inside that tent. What I'm saying is when you offer a voucher program that doesn't ensure full tuition coverage, that doesn't ensure transportation needs are met. You put yourselves in a situation where you're offering up money to families that is of no use to them if they don't have the full need met. All you well, then do is offer. To... All you then do is offer another tax break to those who are already enjoying tax breaks for the last forty years and trickle down economics since the uh, advent of the Reagan administration. I
0: understand? I can understand why you're saying that. Okay. But here's a real life
1: example. I'm going to have to take a quick break. I do want to pick up yep. with this, though, because I think this, this is an important good, yeah, conversation.
0: Exactly what you're saying. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, I think this is an important conversation. I mean, this goes back even into the, the discussion in the 60s and the 70s about busing. And, uh, you know, we, we, we have we have needs that have to be met and we have failing schools. There's no argument about that. The argument of, about needs-based Voucher programs is where I think you get a lot of pushback. Uh, Anyway, we're with Leo Smith, a veteran uh, political strategist. We will rejoin this conversation in minutes on The Ron Show. The American One Radio app, AmericanOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast.
0: Broadcasting five days a week to make common sense common again. This is The Ron Show on America One Radio.
1: Welcome back. We're with Leo Smith, veteran political strategist, and proud. I, I think you would. I think we could say this. You are a proud Black Republican, right?
0: Uh, I would say that I'm a proud American who delivers to Black people.
1: All right. Okay. I'll I'll let you have that. And by, and by the way, I, I say this all the time. I happen to disagree with Tim Scott on about 99 of the issues. But having lived in South Carolina for 11 years, I also know that Tim Scott's a really good guy, and Someone that is a shining example for not just black youth, but for youth, period. Anybody who wakes up uh, as a child with uh, a lot before them, obstacles that they have to overcome to achieve success, Tim Scott's a great story.
0: Uh, We're with Leo
1: Smith. We we, we, we came together because Leo reached out to me on Twitter and wanted to have a conversation about the party affiliation switch for Misha Maynard here in Atlanta. Misha earlier this week decided she's going to join the Republican Party uh, instead of the Democratic Party. Uh, I know that two days ago on this show, I went over some of her past policy positions and started scratching my head because, while I, I do agree that she is a little bit of a maverick, uh, not not unlike uh, a John McCain type, who would buck her party on occasion. The school voucher situation is the one thing that she did not see eye to eye with her party on. I actually see her agreeing a lot more still on substantive policy with Democrats than Republicans. So w- Joining one party versus becoming an independent to me is sort of curious, but that's that's another conversation for another day. So we were talking earlier about where the school voucher bills that keep getting floated don't actually address all of the inequities. So you wanted to uh, relay a, a, a personal anecdote.
0: And Ron, you know, in, in these are, you know, my background is uh, psychology and business, Okay. And if you said to me, Leo, I'm not going to fund your business start completely, but I'll give you half the money you need. Mm. I would not turn that away. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you said to me, Leo, I know you're hungry, but I know that you deserve to have a week's worth of food, but I'll give you a day's worth of food. I think I would if I'm truly hungry. I will take the day's worth. Of
1: I food, get, okay? I get so, that. I get so, that. That, that you, that's a that's so, so, a that's a great so, analogy. But it, Ron, does, you're it, it interrupting doesn't it doesn't. No no you're no. I me well finish, I no no. But what but but, but 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 I want to point out that these analogies are different. Like if if I can only eat half no, a sandwich, no, I'm no, going to no, eat no, half, no, half no, a sandwich.
0: You're not, if you let me finish my, my my if you let me finish my thought, then I you will hear the rest of it. Okay. So so here's the deal. So I had I have two children. I grew up in poverty. You know, I didn't have electricity in my home consistently until I was 13 years old. Mm -hmm. No one ever read to me in school. Mm -hmm. I was in a school that I was told that I had an 80 IQ. I end up becoming a student at UVA and an administrator at Virginia Tech in Equal Opportunity and Affirmative Action. Mm -hmm. Okay. How does that happen? Well, that happens because somebody says, I'm going to love him enough to make an extraordinary commitment. I made an extraordinary commitment to my children in that tradition. I have two children. They were at a private school that cost 11,000. Mm-hmm. It was so difficult for me that I had to cut out all kinds of other things just to afford that 11,000. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think $6,000 wouldn't have made a difference for me? Oh, absolutely. I only to... So when you say, but you said, when, when people say that won't make a difference, that is absolute bull hockey. No,
1: no, what huge. I'm saying, what I, no, that's not what I said. That is not what I said. <laughs> what I'm saying is for parents that can't afford to spend an extra dime on tuition, that $6500 credit does them no good
0: All right. if so they if they can't
1: if they can't come up with the rest
0: okay so you've heard of web Du Bois, right yep you've also heard of general electric Yep. you've also heard of the mccormick way mm-hmm. you've heard of the pareto principle mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. 20% of the people create 80% of the result right mm-hmm. so if you you when you so when you do that absolutist kind of thing where you say well, but the people who can't afford at all—not even a dime—can't do this, so we shouldn't do it. You're excluding That's all not, the hard work. No. You're excluding. Hold on, let me finish. You're excluding <clears throat> all the hardworking Black Americans who, with a little help, could do enough to make the Pareto principle work for 80% of the results, and we'll get better success in the Black community. We'll get better success out of poverty because you'll be lifting up the people who have the best capacity. Yes, you can't get them all, but you can save the savable.
1: Aren't they all savable?
0: Of course, they are.
1: Then but that's all my that, point. That gonna, is my point.
0: That's the, exactly. They're all savable, but we Leo, need. That's a, that's a my new point. System. We have a system that have people with the capacity to give back to those people. Leo, okay? that is
1: that is my we point. However, so that is I my have, point. If the right is so uh, determined that school voucher programs are what are what's going to save the future generation of this country, then. Why only go piecemeal? Go full effort with it. You could probably win over some democratic legislators and some voters if you said, "No, we're not going to stop at sixty-five percent. We're going to first of all, we're going to make this needs-based, so that families who don't need the uh, the tuition assistance aren't getting it. We're not wasting taxpayer dollars to just float another tax break to uh, wealthy families." But that we make sure that every student that has this need gets that need met regardless of cost. There won't be any cost incurred from parents who absolutely need it. Flo- you know float what? that bill, that's float that line. bill, and you'll win over some voters.
0: You know what? The bill isn't done, is it? Because that's the way legislation works. I'm just a bill, I'm only a bill, and I travel up to Capitol Hill, or the Gold Dome. And so, therefore, I am there so that you can debate mm. and chew on me and make me better. Right,
1: right, right. I remember the right? song.
0: And so, so there you go. So Ron, you were exactly right. The bill wasn't ready to be passed.
1: Well, I don't understand why we have a a representative then that switched parties for a flawed bill in the first place. She got pushback from it and from a lot of, a lot of it from her constituents. She doesn't want to name names when she talks about other people bullying her, harassing her or anything like that. I mean, she probably heard it from a lot of folks who voted for her.
0: You know what? It's up to the constituents to decide whether or not her party affiliation is more important than what she delivers. Sure. Let's just so look, I'm not a red team, blue team kind of guy. I'm uh, a black no,
1: You kind of are though. You're a GOP political strategist.
0: Well, that's that's part of that's part of my work, that's part of my profession. Sure. But look, there are people who trust me in the civil rights movement mm-hmm. from young to old. Mm-hmm. Okay, from young to old. There are people who trust me on the libertarian, on the you know, the, the God bless America movement from young to old. But the reason they listen to me is because. I make sense. Mm. Misha Maynard just makes sense. Okay, she's not playing the party politics when people attack her because of not just because of the school voucher thing. If people were having a reasonable conversation simply on school voucher, they would have been open to Alicia Thomas Morgan. See, Misha's not the first person to get attacked by Democrats for not thinking in the box. Alicia Thomas Morgan who does incredible stuff for young black urban kids in schools? She got disbarred and and she got you know she got kicked out of the Black Caucus for the very same thing, Ron. This is not new stuff.
1: Okay, I would argue that not being endorsed by Stacey Abrams is not the same as being kicked out of the Black Caucus. Alicia Thomas Morgan or Alicia Thomas Circe then is still a Democrat. She's not been kicked out of the party. But also, we have statistical data that shows that charter school educations deliver lesser educational outcomes so <laughs> you tell
0: that to you tell that to the black kid from bolton road who's going to harvard next year from atlanta class
1: okay again it's nice to have anecdotes but imperial <laughs> imper- we, can we can we not agree that empirical trumps anecdotal can we not agree to that leo empirical trumps <laughs> anecdotal right no,
0: life life, right? life experience life experience for trump's
1: for an, for an anecdote yes but empirical trumps anecdotal correct no, because if you
0: believe in that, then <laughs> if stop we can't, and frisk.
1: If we, no, can't, no, no, if we okay, can't agree no, that no, data that no, data no, matters, no. then...
0: No, no, no. If you believe in that, then Bloomberg would have been right that the data supported stop and frisk. I don't support that idea.
1: Well no, I don't either, but I mean you know you've got to you've got to honor you, civil then rights then you versus, believe, you know.
0: Then you don't empirically believe what you just said. I mean, well, that's we can also right. empir- we
1: can, right. also, empirically we can right. also empirically believe that if we removed all the guns from American households that we'd probably have less gun deaths too, but we have a second amendment. There's there are civil rights that have to be involved. I, again, that's just that's a, that's another that's a sidebar for another conversation. Yeah, I'm sure just I'm just saying that uh that, that studies have been done that show that charter school educations don't deliver uh optimal educational outcomes. Outputs Test results show that. So we okay. there are valid questions to be had. The other question about the school voucher program that I think a lot of folks have issues with is you can't take from one pot to then dole out to another and not expect to have even more of an effect on a public school system that's already imperiled in a lot of these at-risk communities in the first place. The fact remains, Georgia is one of only six states in the country without any additional funding to educate students in poverty, and it only provides schools enough funding for one school counselor for every 450 students. That's not enough. Funding, obviously, is a huge issue. So when you start taking taxpayer dollars out of pot A, the public education pot, to put into pot B, a school voucher pot, you're only going to exacerbate the disparity in outcomes.
0: Ron, we shouldn't take money from public schools, should we?
1: I absolutely agree with that 100%. All right,
0: Ron. Are public charter schools public schools?
1: They are not public schools, sir.
0: Ron, that is an absolutely ignorant statement.
1: Public schools and public charter schools do not operate on the same level. We know that.
0: That's not the question, Ron. I didn't ask you if they operated the same. I asked you if they were public.
1: They're not open to just any student that wants to attend them.
0: Nor Nor is any school. If well, a
1: public school. Scenario. No, a public school is. <laughs> if if you live in the school zone, you get to attend that school.
0: Hey, no, no, no. Then then you just threw an "if" in there. Ron, your logic is a little flawed, man. You just said that they weren't, then you say "if."
1: But they. That's that's. Saying? But that's how it goes. That's how it goes. If you're zoned for a public school, you're zoned for a public no, no. school. You there have to be. No, you have to be accepted into a public charter school in order to attend.
0: No, no, that's wrong, Ron. Let's get your facts right. You have to be. You have to apply to a lottery, and you have to win access via lot, a lottery. You don't get accepted. You win access to be on a lottery. They don't make a choice as to whether or not you are qualified to be there. It is by a draw.
1: But it's not a needs-based weighted draw is the point. I believe it's like two of the 80 or so schools, charter schools in the state that do weight their lotteries, but the rest don't.
0: I have started two charter schools. I'm about to start a third one. Atlanta Classical, Northwest Classical, I'm about to start a, a next school that's going to focus on solutions to help make sure that we have Black kids who are capable to, f- to com- compete and, and perform fully in a civic society without the control and enablement of anybody other than themselves
1: then why is it then then tell me why nationwide studies show that when you look at uh uh, great differences of charter schools and traditional public schools charter school growth led to a small increase in racial and ethnic school segregation in public schools how is that a good thing
0: what is what's the question what I'm just is, I'm just a good thing?
1: I'm just asking you all, all, all you're talking about doing is 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 taking the 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 the, the better student from the poorer school and then and then following them into <laughs> well, a charter. school.
0: Again, you're not. Did you just hear the selection process for a tra- charter school is not what you think it is. You're assuming that the better students are going to the public charter school, but that's not how it works It's a lottery It's a draw from a hat. It doesn't deserve, I'm only going to draw the kids who have a SAT score of so-and-so, an ACT score of 33, uh, who have come from two parent families with $100,000. That is not happening, man. Get the facts right.
1: But again, it's not a needs-based weighted draw, is my point.
0: It is a draw. There are kids at Atlanta Classical in the middle of Buckhead that are like, in who who are poor, single-parent family children whose parents neither one are, who has who a single parent that didn't go to college, that didn't graduate high school, those kids are going. The learning achievement gap at Atlanta Classical between black and white students is smaller than the learning achievement gap in AS in general.
1: So, Leo, let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. Do you do you do you accept that since schools were integrated in the mid 20th century? Uh, exacerbating uh, the, the, the integration segregation problem in this country, white flight sending folks to the suburbs. Do you, do you agree that that did a lot of harm to inner city schools across the country?
0: That integration did a lot
1: nah, Yeah, that, that, that actually, that, that the, the, the effect of white flight in the face of integration did a lot of harm to uh, the, the larger public school systems in this country.
0: Integration hasn't always been positive for, right. in all kinds of elements.
1: Well, but yeah. n- not, not 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 just integration, but the societal reaction to integration is what I'm talking about, sir.
0: Well, sure. I mean, look, racism exists, and people react when they feel like the resources that they have had complete access to without any competition are become going to become scarce. People react. Like people, you know, they it's think the
1: it's the, the become like, scarce part. It's the become scarce part that I think has a lot That's of folks true. on edge. So, there was so, a twenty nineteen a twenty nineteen report from the National Center for Educational Statistics that showed that charter schools are no better at improving test scores than regular public schools. That research also showed that charter schools are more racially isolated than other schools. And in fact, some advocates argue that segregation is acceptable as long as it's a byproduct of choice. Black parents, though. Aren't choosing to segregate from white kids. It's white parents who are choosing to segregate from black kids.
0: More and more black parents are starting to choose to segregate from white kids. Because why? If you if you think white people are dysfunctional and racist, why <laughs> would you want to be around
1: them? Well, I mean that's a sweeping generalization too. I don't think. I mean, I'm 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 as white as they get, and I don't I don't think I I believe I do not have a racist <laughs> bone in my body.
0: I can tell you're very white, John. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm not going to take that as an insult yet. <laughs> no,
0: but it's, it's an experiential thing. I can tell I'll, you, I'll have understand.
1: you know, I you, season my food quite you, well. You Thank do, you very much. You
0: do not understand <laughs> the struggle of a black parent.
1: That is well. No, I don't. I don't know that I don't. And um, I, 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 here's the thing: I, I listen. That's I think where where I differ from most white Southern conservatives is that I listen to the empirical, the overarching, the 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 whole versus the anecdote. Again. I, know, think th- so I think the, the world... I think the world.
0: Mother, you know what my black mother used to say, uneducated? She got eighth grade education. Yeah. She goes, son, sometimes you're dead right. Empirical evidence can sometimes be right, but it's dead right. It's of no use.
1: Okay, hang on. First, we got to take a quick break. I- I'm actually kind of baffled. I-, I don't know how to carry on a substantive dialogue if we're not going to agree that facts and data have to matter when it comes to substantive policy discussions and decisions. But... More with Leo Smith, Republican strategist, after the break on The Ron Show, here on the American One Radio app, America1Radio.com, or wherever you podcast. Final segment of The Ron Show, we're having a substantive, albeit heated, conversation with Leo Smith, GOP strategist, and uh, now we know, a Misha Maynard supporter. Leo reached out to me on Twitter a couple of days ago, wanted to have this conversation, and I welcomed it, so let's get right back to it.
0: So, Booker T. Washington said to the White Folks that said, hey, you know, we want to give them an education from New England. We want to make sure they understand Descartes and Hume and Kant and Dostoevsky and da-da-da-da-da. Well, not Dostoevsky, but Kant and Hume. And so, look, he said, no, I want to make sure they know how to build homes, you know, grow crops, et cetera, et cetera. Now, you can argue that Black Americans have more capacity to care for themselves without white gays, without getting white people to give them dignity, to show them approval, da-da-da-da-da, they had more ability to take care of themselves, and they had their heads higher then mm. than they
1: do now. But you're also talking about pulling students from majority black school districts know, and, and majority right. black you're school, school like system that, it's is, it's that is a, that, it's that it's is that is staffed right. by a majority and black and, administration. And,
0: and too many white liberals are so concerned that they're going to have their noble project, so they can feel superior.
1: Okay, we got you know. Okay, now listen, now listen, we got to we got to stop right there. The the majority of Fulton County's Democratic Party is what. Uh Uh Uh-huh. What are they? What are they?
0: The voting base is black.
1: That's right. I would so say that, that I would say that I would say that for most of Metro Atlanta as well. I would also say that for if not the majority, the plurality of the Democratic base so in the state of Georgia.
0: Again, again, you're not understanding the nuances of race.
1: No, so I am understanding, understanding saying, the nuances of race. I'm just pushing understand. I'm just pushing back on this narrative that this that, 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 that there's that, that there's right. this white liberal uh what's what's the word well, you, you guys not, like that's to not a
0: narrative. Hey your listeners that if your listeners are black They're listening to me and they're going, he is right.
1: Maybe they are. And if they can't, they're welcome to reach out to me. I offer that all the time. But I would say, but I would, I would, no, I, 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 I refuse to accept that there's this, uh, that there's
0: this white, when black people do something successful, white liberal wants to take credit
1: in what way
0: oh but we did that for you so you owe us you have to show allegiance to our way and our party and blah 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 blah, 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 blah. but
1: but you know, the african-american yeah, voter is yeah, the majority yeah, is the plurality yeah. it is the largest demographic the in, largest in the democratic party, party is, Ron, Ron, sir Ron, it Ron, is it, it is the largest is demographic in me. the no, democratic no, no, party
0: no 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 it is that's the nuance you're not understanding are the black voters the largest demographic in mississippi I yes. believe they are, yes. Yes, but yet Mississippi is a Republican state that's fairly backwards about a lot of stuff.
1: Well, we could sit here and talk about voting rights if you'd like.
0: No, but look, don't, no, look, son, you leave you leave the rubric. The rubric is the system of analysis that tells you whether or not what you're saying holds true in tested cases. So when you say something like, oh, but black people are the voters in, in Fulton County, that doesn't mean that that rubric will stand the test of black people having power. But, and self determination.
1: But they can in, still be but,
0: manipulated by white majorities. See, but
1: but I but I think that's insult. I think that's insulting to the voter that you're talking about. That's also that's like saying up oh, these guys are just they're, they're constantly fooled by the by the yeah. white liberal. So, so come on, so, so, man. I'm not going to sit here. I'm not going to sit here and accept that that you know that well, kind of right. I would not accept that. I would not accept that from a senator Tommy Tuberville. So
0: here's the deal. Here's the deal, Ron. Let the black people decide for themselves. Oh, I think
1: you but i think,
0: you, but so I like think they, they will They should be outraged
1: do you, do you not do you not think they will
0: no no i do believe that they will if black people will rally around reason policy making for themselves not based on what somebody in washington dc says this is the party's position what's happening with a lot of legislators on both the right side and the left side on both the republican side and the democrat side is people are yielding to national tropes. Oh
1: no, absolutely national absolutely. Tropes. You'll get no argument from me on that. I mean, I, I, I look listen, there's a reason why people tune in every night to watch what Tucker Carlson thought on Fox News or what Laura, Laura Ingraham tells them, they have to think. I mean, that ha- that happens on the white side, too. There's no question about That's it. Great. Trust me, You're I grew right. up in Columbia right. County, Georgia, a majority white suburban conservative. Trust me, I know that we all race to find out what we're supposed to think. No argument there whatsoever. But I don't think that is a black community problem.
0: So there is no I think that is an
1: American why, problem.
0: So there's no reason why a school system, that people should be protecting a, a process of where Kids are failing, and people have little opportunity other than prison. Okay, that is not acceptable. As for you, for for any any party of people that is dealing primarily with the black voter, the Democrat Party, I'm speaking of here, to not to not support school choice or any some other drastic, unmitigated effort to change that. They don't give a crap about black people. They
1: I, they and see, I I disagree. I disagree wholeheartedly. I, I think I think you have to deliver the goods. You can't just come in with seventy-five percent of the goods, sixty oh, yeah, percent of the goods. Right. You admitted yeah. earlier you admitted earlier in this conversation that the bill was not perfect and that's why it didn't pass. And in fact
0: But re- as, but as Barack Obama said, right? The Democrat, Barack Obama, American progress is not from overnight revolutions, it's from part progressive movement. Okay. That's what public charter school efforts are. And they're not an effort in the bucket. There's all kinds of, you know, there's an increasing. The number of black people homeschooling their children Mm -hmm. has increased threefold Mm -hmm. in the last six years. Mm -hmm. Black people need help in Mm self-determination more than they need help in doing anything else. Self-determination, Ron. So choice is part of that mix. The only people who lose from that is the power structures.
1: That's not true. That's not true. The other the other folks that lose out on this are those that cannot spend another dime to put towards their child's education if a school voucher existed that didn't cover the full ride. I would argue that Georgia leaving the group of six states that doesn't offer any additional funding to educate students in poverty and providing more school counselors would also help. And Misha Maynard's joining the party that's had control of the state and hasn't addressed that. For, all right, First of all, let, let's agree to two things. I think we can both agree to this. Ideally... A school voucher program would cover the full tuition cost for a family, correct?
0: A family in need.
1: Thank you. Okay.
0: School that can't okay, meet their good.
1: Needs. Then but that all, I think you, I think you also answered my second question. Families that aren't in need don't need these vouchers.
0: That is correct. Okay, hey, my son, so my when son we, and my daughter, don't even need affirmative action. So when,
1: when, 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 when you sit down with uh, someone in the General Assembly and draft that bill, I think you'll pull some votes from the left.
0: Well, there you go. Misha Maynard and I are on it.
1: Congratulations, we just solved the school voucher program.
0: <laughs> we got no. We we made direction in a positive. And you know what? Part of that is people just need to know. Look, if you look at Misha Mayner's platform, look, I. It's not my business to know I'm out there doing. I'm I'm implementing policy in the way that helps black people. Mm -hmm. That's what I do. Mm -hmm. I don't run for office, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I'm creating schools. I'm creating opportunity. I'm creating capital tables. I'm helping make sure that black people are safe. That's what I do, all right? So Misha Maynard is in there making legislation that does exactly the same thing. And, And I looked at her and I went, hmm, she's the real deal. She's not a performer. She's not a black Republican. She's not a black Democrat in all the tired tropes of doing nothing and making people happy and performing. She's neither one of those things. She's a thinker. She's a person who's going, I'm going to stay to my principles about helping black people and I want to see results. I want us to have rubric. I want us to have metrics. I want us to be innovative. That's what this is. So folks need to give her a chance to continue to deliver to. They need to hold her accountable, but not hold her accountable to tired sort of agreements that are tribalistic, that say you have to do this because you're black or you have to do this because you're a Democrat. No, you have to do this because you care about people to love them into success.
1: I mean, listen, you're talking to a Bernie Democrat. So I'm, I'm not sitting here telling you that you got to uh, stick with the status quo or roll with the Democratic Party's, you know, rigid principles or anything like that. Do what you think is best for your constituents. And I'm down with that. But I also I've always believed and I don't care which way you go, whether you go from D to R or R to D. I believe when you switch parties, uh, a, there should be a, a special election. The voters should, should get to decide, because if you ran for one thing on, on one platform and then you decide middle of the middle of the, the river that you're going to go a different direction, I think the voters should have a say in that. Well, they will. Yeah, no, that, that, absolutely. They will. Absolutely will. It
0: doesn't surprise me, Ron, that as uh, you know, a progressive liberal, you believe in creating unnecessary things that already exist.
1: And I would argue there's already a recall process in place and that would be the unnecessary part. Just triggering an automatic special election when somebody switches party actually eliminates the unnecessary.
0: Ron, here's the inconsistency. Here's the hey, thing. Well, here's the thing.
1: Know. Tell me tell me what changing tell me what changing her party does to change anything she can do in the general assembly next session.
0: Hey, Ron. What does it do? Does what does hurt. it do? Well, Here's what it does.
1: It got it headlines. Her... That's what it got. That's all you know,
0: it got. You know, it does that, but it, it did more than that. Do you realize that she was told she was going to be primary before she changed parties? She, Democratic Party leaders were offering hits on her, thousand dollars to take her out from run against her. I'll give you a thousand dollars.
1: But if she's so confident, if she's so confident, she's delivering for her constituents. It wouldn't have mattered, right? All politics is local.
0: She was kicked out by her fellow Democrats. She did not leave them.
1: <laughs> who kicked her out of the party?
0: The people who said that we're going to primary her. Who her,
1: who, who, who kicked support. her out of the party?
0: The people who said that we're going to primary Bernie her. Bernie
1: Sanders he said out. he was going to primary Barack Obama. And did he? Bar- Bernie did, Sanders
0: did, is a loser. Did,
1: did, did, that, you know, that's okay. That's That's cute. <laughs> but Bernie Sanders said he was going to primary Barack Obama. Did Barack Obama take his toys and go home and leave the party?
0: Barack Obama didn't need to list he had it on his constituency.
1: Uh, exactly. So does Misha Maynard. She has her constituency. She could have continued to deliver no matter what party she's in.
0: Ron, Ron, that is why Misha Maynard doesn't need you to create an extra law, an extra tax burden, more money out of people's pockets. She didn't population. need to switch parties to do that either. So she, no, no, no. She needs, love. When I came here and I needed to make sure black people got properly educated, you think I could have gone to a Democrat who had the power I,
1: to do I don't, I'm, 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 again, I'm coming back to this topic in and of itself. Why did she switch parties? What good, what, what changes, Ron, Ron, what changes Ron. for the next legislative session because she's an R now versus a D?
0: Here's what, here's what would change. Well, when I was in the party, Stacey Abrams, other Democrats used to come to me all the time saying, Leo, can you get me at a Republican table for my legislation, for my power? In other words, they were calling up a guy who had no political office, right, me, to ask me to open a door at a Republican table. You know why? Because Democrats don't control legislation in Georgia. She now has the ability to caucus with, to talk with, to go down to St. Simons Islands with Republicans and really work on behalf of her constituents with people who can actually make a decision and have power of vote. That's what she has. So that's
1: she's gonna. She, gun she's gun she's, gun. she's she's not gonna suddenly change when it comes to uh, uh, voter access. Uh, she's not gonna. No. She's not gonna change her position on uh, a gun legislation. She's not gonna. None of that's gonna change. She's gonna be the same Misha Maynard in policy in sum total from the day she became a representative in the General Assembly.
0: If you look at the questionnaire that she filled out on Ballotpedia in 2019, 2020, you will see a person. Who has principles that are transcending party affiliation? You'll see the same, Misha Maynard.
1: Well, I, that, uh, you, listen, I'm hopeful. If, if that's the case, then I'm absolutely hopeful. I just, I just well, don't, I just give don't. Give her,
0: her a chance. Yeah,
1: I, a I, chance. I, and I am. I mean, we've got no, we've got no choice. We've got no right. choice because exactly. she's given us no choice. But we've got no choice. So I'm, I'm happy to let that play out. Um, I, I also happen to think that anybody who's scared of being primaried just you know has to suck it up that's politics baby you're <laughs> always you're being, always going to run against of, somebody
0: she's not afraid of being primary but she has an con- incredible commitment to get results for black people and that's why she's doing what she's doing
1: and 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 listen if she's got the track record then she's had nothing to worry about you know how it is it's always easier okay. when you're the incumbent versus the the, the challenger
0: there you go, buddy. Kemp got more votes from Black people than people expected. Why? Because of track record, not because of rhetoric. One
1: hundred
0: and sixty-one thousand Black men stayed home in the last gubernatorial election. But that, Why? That's that's because not of states, that's, because of track not, record.
1: But that's not because a vote for Brian Kemp. <laughs> <laughs> Leo Smith, I appreciate the time. I'm going to let you head on to Stockbridge, my friend. Thanks for making the call.
0: Thank you, brother. Keep on keeping on.
1: Illuminating discussion, I would say. Uh, I would also say that uh, I don't foresee a recall effort, kind of pointless, when there's only one more year before she would be up for office again. I happen to think that she actually made getting reelected tougher for herself by joining the Republican Party, because where she was worried about getting primaried, at least she was going to get the opportunity to win the primary and then cruise in a general election. Now she's going to have the full width and breadth of the Democratic Party to take her on in the general election. Okay. That being said, she also has another year to prove to her constituents that she's not going to just toe the party line and completely buck about 65-75% of what she filled out on uh, Ballotpedia or uh, AtlantaCivic.org questionnaires when she ran for office the first time. There's a lot to be seen from... Misha Maynard, now that she's a Republican. Perhaps when she goes to St. Simon's Islands for that GOP enclave, she will discuss the fact that Georgia is one of the six states without any additional funding to educate students in poverty. Maybe she can bend their ear and get them to address that. Hey, great. I have my doubts, but we'll see. Nonetheless, I want to thank Leo Smith for uh, stepping into the Viper's Pit just a little bit. It's uh, not unnoted that a Republican said, hey, I'd like to join your show and be a part of this conversation. Okay, cool. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Always welcome back. That's going to do it for The Ron Show. Back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. on the America One Radio app, com, or here, wherever it is you your podcast. More at ronshowatl.com. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great one.